What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And you know who I am. I am your host, Blaine Spencer. We've got a lot to get into today. We're going to be looking at some NFL as well as some college football. And I've got, I know I'm a Seton Hall guy. I am repping a Georgetown jersey. It is Mr. Allen Iverson. And there's a big reason why I am rocking AI today on this show. And we're going that's because we will be talking about the infamous Ben Simmons situation as it was NBA Media Day this past week as well. Well, let's jump right on in. Biggest takeaways that what I think we have seen in the NFL season so far. The Arizona Cardinals may be better than what I have originally thought. Kyler Murray playing at an MVP level. They are 3-0 on this young season. Yes, they have been. They got lucky in their second game against Minnesota where Greg Joseph decided to say, all right, let's do a little pull hook and a full-on miss to the left, which gave Arizona the victory. But still, the team has rallied together. They are in fully in win-now mode with the likes of A.J. Green, J.J. Watt, etc. Chandler Jones is playing at a supremely high level and they've beaten Tennessee, Minnesota, two decent teams, as well as then the infamous Jacksonville Jaguars. Another overall take is that Matthew Stafford is that dude in Los Angeles for the Rams. And not even you can even talk about the other side that Justin Herbert's on the other side of that locker room in SoFi Stadium is that dude as well. The city of Los Angeles have two quarterbacks that are going to be in win now and win for the future mode with the Rams and the Chargers. The Chargers taking out the Kansas City Chiefs and as well as the Los Angeles Rams taking out the reigning Super Bowl champions in Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And you got to give some credit to the Rams as they pretty much dominated, especially in that second quarter to late early third and pretty much put the game away before the fourth quarter had really gotten started. Kept it with it ahead of two scores throughout. Deshaun Jackson over the top has now been electric. There is nothing to say that Cooper Cup is easily the best slot receiver right now in football. And then you have the likes of Robert Woods. And then Sony Michelle came on. He didn't have a great yards per carry type of game, but he was able to keep them honest on the defensive side for, and allowed the play action to flourish. Then on the other side of Los Angeles, they decided to go to Kansas City and take on Patrick Mahomes. And what do they do? New head coach Brandon Staley goes for it four times on fourth down. A fourth and nine at the end of the game. He said, let's go get it. Let's go win this game. And what does Justin Herbert do? He doesn't go for Mike Williams. He doesn't look for Keenan Allen. He goes to his third wide receiver in Guyton. Gets the P.I. call. Takes him down the field. Then to the Mike Williams corner fade right after that. Back shoulder down to the one. And then what does he do? A run call. No, I'll just call a check. Let's score a touchdown instead of running the ball or taking the knee and just ending the game on a little chip shot field goal. Let's score a touchdown because you know touchdowns are what we really need here. Even though Kansas City was basic, only had one timeout remaining. A little fade to Mike Williams. Go up and get it. Win that game 30-24 to in Arrowhead. 
we ha what have we seen? The West Coast, has, right now, might be the best coast in football, especially record speaking with the eight teams in the West, NFC West and AFC West. Las Vegas Raiders, undefeated. Denver Broncos, undefeated. Los Angeles Chargers, 2-1-1. Could easily be undefeated if they just learned how to not beat themselves against that them Dallas Cowboys in Week 2. And crazy enough, the Kansas City Chiefs are at the bottom of the AFC West. Who would ever have thought we'd be talking about that? That they would be at the bottom at 1-2. and two. But you're never going to write them off. Then you bring in Josh Gordon for week four. Hopefully he'll be a number two option. At least a red zone threat for the Chiefs. I mean, pretty much a hitter. A win-win situation. You're not losing much uh, if he doesn't perform. Especially with how he's pretty much struggled. With just trying to stay on the field in and itself. Then NFC West. Arizona Cardinals. Undefeated. Los Angeles Rams. Undefeated. San Francisco was pretty much undefeated until a man named Aaron Rodgers pretty much said with 37 seconds to go, yeah, I'm just going to go win this football game. And then you you have on the flip side the Seattle Seahawks, who are 1-2. and two. But those two games that they've lost, very tight as well. Can we have any complaints there? I don't think so. I think it's pretty obvious that right now the West Coast has the best division in football. And then you could easily say that AFC North has been relatively suspect. NFC North has been relatively suspect. NFC East, you know, has been god-awful as always. AFC East has been, pretty, has been relatively underappreciated and not doing so hot. But what can you say about the West Coast? West Coast right now is the best coast in regards to the NFL. Let's play a new game that we're going to try out here. It's called Buy or Sell. So I've got my handy dandy little clipboard here. We've got three teams that we were going to go off of. And we were going to say, are we buying or are we selling? Let's see what the first team we have up is. We have the... All right, the Buffalo Bills. A little bit of a interesting situation there with how really couldn't find themselves in Week One, losing to a Pittsburgh team that should easily have not be 0-3 of basically how bad they've been. And then they've rallied off two dominant victories, shutting out Miami and then pretty much giving it to the Washington Football Team. What are we doing with Buffalo? I am buying. We are buying the Buffalo Bills. I did have them as my preseason uh, Super Bowl pick, so I ain't going to be selling on them until pretty much when I absolutely have to. Josh Allen came into his own last week, really showcased why he was an MVP candidate last week, uh, last year, excuse me, and then taking it another level. Really finding that connection now with Emmanuel Sanders who came in from New Orleans. This team is going to be scary. We knew they were going to put up points. And with the AFC pretty relatively open, going to be really intriguing to see how that goes. Who, who's next? Who we got next? Oh, it's an NFC team. We have the Chicago Bears. 
Remember Chicago Bears were a playoff team last season, ended up losing to New Orleans. We are... Sell, sell, sell. Abandon ship on the Chicago Bears. Why? Because uh, right now, Matt Nagy has no idea how to coach. And he's had five quarterbacks, and he really hasn't been able to figure it out. He's had Trubisky. He's had Dalton. He's had Fields. He's had Foles. I can't, uh, I can't think of the fifth guy right now off the top of my head. Sorry, Chicago Bears fans. But Matt Nagy can't coach. He really can't. And what they pretty much did to just throw Justin Fields out into the line of fire this past weekend against Cleveland was an utter embarrassment. Like, come on. You didn't roll him out till midway through the second quarter? A rollout play. You had a bunch of dropbacks with five-man protection. You already knew your offensive line stunk it up. Why do you think Andy Dalton got hurt running for his life the week before, because you can't block. You really can't. I mean, this defense isn't elite as it was in a couple a couple years ago, but it's still pretty darn good. They came to play against Cleveland. They showed up. They were ready to go. They held their own as long as they could. And then you nine sacks, four and a half to Clown uh, to Miles Garrett, and then two more to Jadavian Clowney. It's just utterly ridiculous. It's And then Matt Nagy comes out and says, Oh, all three quarterbacks are on the table this week. Of course, Andy Dalton's a starter if he's healthy. Justin Fields is nursing a little bit of hand injury. No, Dory's nursing a hand injury. You couldn't get him to block. And then, oh, let's just go to good old Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles probably should have started last week. Because if you're going to just call that kind of game plan, that was a game plan for Nick Foles. Or Andy Dalton. That wasn't a game plan for a athlete of a quarterback. That is Justin Fields. Like, utilize his skill set. Roll him out. Give him some Q, uh, RPOs. QB runs. Make him elite. Make the defense struggle and make him account for him potentially in the running game. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, we got to stop about Chicago. I can random out them forever. And our third and final team, let's see here on our little bit of a randomizer of teams that made the playoffs last season. Ooh, interesting. We have the New Orleans Saints. A little bit of a mixed bag we've seen from week to week with New Orleans, but... In the NFC South, you have a Carolina team that's unbeaten. Tampa Bay, reigning Super Bowl champs. You know what? We'll buy. We're going to buy. We're buying the New Orleans Saints. Right now, Jameis Winston has played solid other than, other than Week 2. Kind of reverted back to what we had seen with his little 30-for-30 30 30 extravaganza in Tampa Bay. But the defense is playing extremely well. Really, other than they pretty much laid an egg when they played Carolina in Week 2. Other than that, they've been extremely solid, dominant against Green Bay in Week 1. When we've probably seen that Aaron Rodgers never play that bad in his life. And then went up to Foxborough. And it was relatively, it was not really a game. It, I mean, the score kind of was... 
closer than what the game really indicated. It was a very dominant performance by the New Orleans Saints. There was a little bit of a buy or sell with the we had Buffalo, Chicago, and New Orleans, three teams uh, that had made the playoffs on a little bit of a randomizer. We are buying Buffalo, of course. I picked them to be in the Super Bowl this year. I'm going to be buying them for a while. Chicago, enough said there. We can't even really talk about that. Then New Orleans, I'm going to buy them for right now. That defense is elite. And if Jameis can just game manage, it's all he's got to do. That team can be very successful with the likes of Alvin Kamara. And then when Michael Thomas comes back, ooh-wee. It's another element that they haven't even had to experience yet. Let's jump to now some college football before we uh, dive into a little bit of NBA talk. What have we seen this past week in the college football world? We saw Clemson go down again. Is Clemson finished? It's a good thought. Is the dynasty over? I personally don't think so. The only issue you can have now is that with these major conferences starting to bring in Different teams from everywhere, the SEC now bringing, of course, Texas and Oklahoma, as well as different intricates of now the Big 12 bringing in the likes of BYU, UCF, Houston. The ACC is going to be a bottom dog in their conference if they weren't already. Right now, I thought it was between the ACC and the Pac-12 for being bottom of the barrel. And now it looks like with Clemson not truly being relevant at the moment, they are bottom of the barrel because Oregon and UCLA are holding the Pac-12 up, even though they might be very top-heavy right now. They can't pass block. They can't run block. DJ Ugalele, I totally botched that name. I'm not going to try it again because that was absolutely atrocious. It just seems like he's not truly comfortable back there. And then with Davos Sweeney, you had the likes of Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and you thought DJ was going to step in and be the next guy for the Clemson University. You just have not seen that. And the off it's been an offensive problem. You thought it was just a fluke when they played Georgia. Georgia's elite, number two team in the country. But then issue against Georgia Tech. All right, maybe that was just a off day. You had the weather delay. They had to come back out. And then you go down to... North Carolina State, and get beat in overtime. And you should have got beat in regulation if the kicker didn't pull it and miss the field goal to win the game in regulation when he was straight down the middle from about 35 yards out. So that's not one. It's not two. That's three instances where the Clemson offense could not get going. There is no run game. Pass game's been suspect as well. There's just no cohesion off the, on the offensive side of the ball. Can they get it together? Absolutely. I mean, they could easily still run through the rest of the ACC and go 11-2 and and then go play in a big-time bowl game, win that 12-2, and still have a successful season potentially. Even though now for Clemson, it's playoff slash national championship or nothing. So they've already lost their chance on the playoffs. So technically, in my eyes, it's a failed year. But again, when you have the likes of Nick Saban, who does it year in and year out, and then you think Davos Sweeney and Clemson have that now, you're now going to have to say, oh, you can't look at them the same. 
Nick Saban's on a whole nother stratosphere. Is Davos Sweeney the second best college football coach? Without question. But you cannot compare the two any longer when we thought Davos Sweeney was going to be the next true competitor to compete with Nick Saban year in and year out. In other news, the Arkansas Razorbacks, a very run-oriented spread offense, took down Texas A&M, but that's a Texas A&M team with a backup quarterback, and they just have not been the same since the backup took over. Another test for Arkansas is they're going to Athens, where college game day is going to be. You're going to see how unique that offset is going to be with the Razorbacks. And then another top matchup is my Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Uh, hosting Cincinnati, handled business last week at Soldier Field against Wisconsin. Defense was legit and elite, causing five turnovers of Graham Mertz. And pretty much after that kick return in the fourth quarter by Chris Tyree, pulled away. So there's some real intriguing matchups there to take a look at there. I can pick those games if you want. I'll take Georgia, Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, Georgia and Notre Dame out of those two perennial matchups. All right, time to get real serious here. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm rocking Mr. Ivers Iverson's Georgetown jersey. Why? Um, because there's a little bit of a issue in Philadelphia that Ben Simmons is not going to play another second for the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, so that max extension you signed last year is now completely irrelevant and you don't want to play for them anymore? I know there was issues that you had with the Sixers in the Brett Brown era, but the process obviously wasn't an issue when you signed your max. And now a year later, you're willing to say, oh, I'll just not play at all and just... See if I can get traded. Hope a team will struggle out of the gates early and then... Oh, they'll pay what they want to get me. Daryl Morey will sign off. Come on, bro. You are literally just being a weakling. And honestly, you're soft right now in my eyes. You're being soft. You didn't show up in the postseason. Especially that Atlanta series. In that fourth quarter, in those games, you you were you were scared to shoot. It wasn't like that you wanted to shoot and would. You were scared to shoot. It was all mental with you, and you would not go to the free throw line because you knew they would foul you. And you knew you would go up and embarrass yourself and not make anything. The city of Philadelphia is one of the greatest fan bases in the world when it comes to their fans. They're passionate. If you go out there and leave it out all on the court or on the field for them, and if it doesn't go their way, it's okay. Because they saw that you were out there and you were a fighter, you were a dog, and that's what the city of Philadelphia is. Why do you think I'm wearing Allen Iverson? They didn't win a ch title with the 76ers with him. But you knew he was going to go out there and be a dog. Represent the city the way the city wanted. And he was going to go fight for the city of Philadelphia and be a perfect representation of that. And what are you doing now, Ben Simmons? You are shying away from that moment. You are scared. You're not going to say that the Philadelphia 
the 76ers fans are the reason, because you don't want them to turn on you. Too bad. They are going to anyway. Because you are not that image of what the city of Philadelphia is in that fan base and being a athlete representing Philadelphia. Listen, you are a jump shot away from being LeBron James 2.0, a jump shot. We've been preaching this since you came out of LSU after your first year. If you could just figure out a jump shot, you would be LeBron James 2.0. You could be that. Maybe not exactly LeBron. You're 6'11". You can defend. You can pass. You can block. You can score at the rim. You don't even need to make a three-pointer. You just need to create a little bit of a 10 to 15 footer. And nobody could guard you. Because they play eight feet off of you. Waiting for you to go to the rim. Because they know that's where you're going to go. And in the postseason, they're just going to hack you. And they know you won't make it at the free throw line. That's why I'm wearing the Allen Iverson jersey, bro. Because he wouldn't let the city of Philadelphia down even if they lost. He would go out there, be a dog, and go out and represent the city. You are scared of that. You're scared to go out there and play. And now you'll won't you'll play for anybody else? Come on. You really gonna get sent to Sacramento and go play for the Kings if they offer enough? You gonna go play for the Kings? Sorry to my brother Keegan, he's a diehard Sacramento Kings fan, but you are not gonna sign off to play for the Kings. In, they were one of the teams that has been mentioned in talks about inquiring about Ben Simmons. Just grow up. You're losing a lot of money now too. Yeah, you're willing to sit out for $33 million. Don't be surprised if they, even the NBA tries to figure out how to handle a way to keep that money or maybe even try and find you for being completely healthy and holding out. This isn't the only instance now. Anthony Davis, James Harden, a different situation kind of that Ben Simmons is younger he's on a has multiple years left on his contract like what are you doing bro what are you doing speaking of the NBA they are pretend not going to pay players that are unvaccinated if they cannot play one of some of the critical players that are unvaccinated at the moment, Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, both in areas in the city of New York as well as the Bay Area where vaccinations are required. So that's already cutting out half of their home games that they can't play. So that's a lot of money that you're getting, not getting, my man. Be intriguing to see how that is. Bradley Bill's another in Washington. They don't have as strict as protocols at the moment. So that's only in areas where you're traveling to, where you would have to not be able to play and suit up. Alright, last thing we're going to talk about before we sign off for today is, you know, I think there's a guy named Tom Brady. I think he's returning to the legendary Foxborough this weekend. 
I just want to give a quick uh, recap of how this is future, not a recap, but a little bit of a story how this is going to unfold. I have my little crystal, imaginary crystal ball here. Rub it. I'm sorry, Bill Belichick. I know you have eight Super Bowls. Six is the Patriots coach, one is a coordinator, and Tom has seven. Six with the Patriots, one with now a Tampa Bay. He is going to embarrass you this weekend. And I feel bad for Mac Jones because he's going to eat him up. You think Tampa Bay is not going to be ready to play after coming off of a loss as well against Los Angeles Rams, who are right now arguably the best team in football? They're going to show up. You can see Tom Brady easily is going to be throwing for four touchdowns, no interceptions. He is going to want to drop 50, 50 points on these Patriots. And I could see it happening. It's on Sunday Night Football on NBC. It could be an absolute bloodbath. could get really ugly. I don't think the Patriots will be able to keep it close. I really don't. Maybe for the first half. And then the Buccaneers are going to run rampant on them. Because you think they're not going to be fired up for this? This is potentially the game of the, the, of the NFL. There has nothing been more anticipated than when this schedule was released. It was when Tom Brady was returning to Foxborough. Maybe in the history of the NFL, this might be the biggest football, one of the biggest football moments ever. Take a second about that and let that sit sink in for you. It is going to be ugly. Watch out. Tom Brady's coming. Well, that was another episode of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast with your host, Blaine Spencer. Have a good night, everybody.